again. I'm talking about some old familiar spirits that's been hanging around that need to go. And all God's waiting for you to do is pick up your slingshot and pick up your arm. Do whatever you got to do and begin to fight with that bear because it's got the promise in its mouth. And if you let him go with it, he's coming back for another promise. You've got what you need in the Holy Ghost to fight what's coming against your family and your home. Until you do it, he's coming back again. And he's going to take another one. He's going to take another one. But I feel strong in the Holy Ghost. Somebody's help is in this building on Wednesday night to help you. It ain't going to happen again. It ain't going to happen again. God bless you. Be seated here for a moment. Media, if you would. Lexi, all I see is eyeballs. Yeah. James 5 and verse 13. I want to say again, thank you to all the kind folks and the kind gestures of uh, pastor appreciation and things you gave to me and my, my wife. I thank you for it. Such a kind, kind uh, acts, acts of kindness. Many, many of you did so much and gave so much and done so much. I thank every one of you for it. And uh, it shows your heart and uh, your love for me and my family. And I know you did it unto me, or you did it to me, but I know you really did it unto the Lord because of the deep-seated root system in many of you of giving honor to the ministry and and man of God, you know, I'm in a different place and I can't talk about that like I used to in an evangelist. But I still believe that, not because I'm the recipient, but I know the ministry that God has given us, not me. I'm talking about fivefold ministry that he brings in. God has blessed us with tremendous ministry. And I don't want us to ever lose our thankfulness and honor that we give to uh, ministry. And that's not just them mutually exclusive to them. But it needs to be reversed. We give honor to the saints of God for their faithfulness and all they do. See how beautiful it is when we just kind of all work together and uh, it just kind of comes together right. And uh, the people of God are blessed. The church of God is blessed. And the kingdom of God is enlarged. I want to pick up with James chapter 5. We, we closed out with, with prayer and what spin or the spinoff of that was uh, James 5.13. Is there any afflicted? Uh, let him pray. Is there any married? Let him sing psalms. In verse 14. Lexi, that's the one we're going we're gonna to stay at for a little bit. Is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, the previous verse was talking about prayer and is any afflicted word afflicted there in the original Greek is a simple definition saying suffering. Is there any suffering? This, this particular uh, terminology here for sick in verse 14, uh, it, it's not just referring to uh, an infirmity that you and I would uh, would be a, a affiliated with the flu or you know some some cancer, but the word sick there in verse fourteen, Lexi, uh, is a carryover. It means weakness, weakness. It's some weakness that you and I would have uh, in in our body. And again, it it, it can mean uh, infirmities and sicknesses and and bring the oil. But but they specifically use a word here, weakness, because it, it's it's a broad net that he's casting and saying this old body is going to suffer some things, and in turn that body can affect the soul and the spirit, and and all of it together as a whole can cause a weakening in that person or that individual. And he's saying that, 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 that the cure to this is, or the help to it is, I've put things in place within the church. 
Now this is going to really apply for some of our uh, new converts that's never really understand the anointing of oil and why we do all of these things and the doctrine of laying on of hands and some of these things we may, may get to here tonight. But uh, for the new converts, it will. For those that are familiar uh, with this, it's, it's going to be a, a familiar uh, understanding. You, you, you've been raised around this kind of stuff. But it's very specific in the fact that he says, I want you to call for the elders of the church. Now, I'm not going to go deep into this purpose because there's some other uh, keynotes I want to get to it, but uh, just let me briefly touch on the elder terminology. Elder is a twofold, uh, in this particular case, not so, but for our vernacular, we use that term elder so uh, common. I use it a lot, and I, I many times will refer to our, our older people, our, you know, uh, we, we put ages on it, and, and I hate to even do that, but I would call an elder, uh, you know, someone that's up there of age, you know, the wage, good example for the church, <laughs> because of age. Because of age, uh, you know, you're an elder, you, you're elderly, you know, is where that comes from. That don't mean you're walking with a cane or nothing like that, but you're just an elder. And that's the one that many times we would commonly define. But this particular text, this is not what it was referring to. So I want you to, I'm not saying that we can't use uh, the terms. I just want to put everything in the proper class. That I can still go to you, and I'm using your example because you'll see the punchline. You won't get offended when I say this in the end. You, you can still be an elder. But to properly define it, we got to go to Scripture and see what it says. This word here, what was happening to the early church, they were in their foundational level of trying to organize all of this stuff together. And it started with, in Corinthians, and then Ephesians picks up in it, with it again, saying for to the church there was given fivefold ministry. He was given, or to the church was given apostles, prophets, pastor, teacher, evangelist. And to the church it was given for this reason, twofold. One, for the perfecting of the saints. Perfecting means maturing. That God gave these offices, and again, please let me, let me stay a little slow tonight just at the beginning for a moment because I want these new converts to, to grasp this. When I define offices according to scripture, it's a spirit, it's a place of spiritual authority. When you say apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, they occupy specific spiritual authority. So when we say office of, they are commonly filling that position in the spirit. Just because I say you're a prophet don't mean you're a prophet. The spiritual authority that operates through you in that position is what determines whether you are what you are in that position. Again, this is the beginning of the church. And they're establishing this. And Paul writes to the church at Ephesus and alludes to it, touches on it in Corinth, saying that these are given for the perfecting of the saints. You need all five for the maturing of the church. We have been such a strong, and, and uh, Brother Bush, now I don't say this, please. I think you know my spirit. I, I love our organization. But for the most part, our organization has been a pastoral organization. It's almost like when you get to the place of uh, evangelizing, it's, it's like for an evangelist, if you can become a pastor, then man, you've arrived. And that's not biblical. That's not the way it should be. So you have evangelists that because we have built uh, this thing around a typically pastoral mindset, uh, we, we've, we've lost, we, we've gotten evangelists coming off the field when they never should have got off the field because we have said this is the epitome of success. Not so. Fivefold ministry, if you're doing what God's called you to do and you're in the will of God, then there are a success regardless of what anybody may label. And we need all five of them operating. Now that doesn't mean that there's not order within the local assembly. And I'll come back teach on this a little bit more detail a little bit later. The pastor is the candlestick of that assembly. He is the, the head of that assembly. And these ministries come and yoke with him in agreement to fulfill the maturing of the saint, number one. And number two, it says for the edifying, the building of the church. It never should be a one-man show. Never should be just one man to, to do all of this. Well, this is the early church's foundation. 
they're starting into this fivefold ministry. So what you have here is you've got a local church, James, who which is the pastor of that local church. But there is an apostleship over that area. And the way the original church was structured, you had Paul the apostle that was over a geographical area. Then you had men that were pastors of that local city or town. And then within that local assembly, you had an elder. Now, we've again, it's kind of changed and moved around. And it's not that we're doing it wrong. It's just this is the backdrop of where they are. And the elders were people in the church that were not designated by age, but by spiritual authority given to them by the head of that local assembly. Is this all making sense? So what would happen would be, and I go back to our example, you're an elder in age, but you don't occupy that spiritual authority recognized by the local assembly. So you can be an elder but not the one that's going to be called upon to pray for the sick. Because we're looking for spiritual authority. That's what keeps the church and the miracles and the things happening is that we have everything in order. Now, does it mean that you can't pray for the sick? No. And I'm using you, Brother Wade, as a good example because I know you ain't going to get your Twinkies hurt. Does that mean you cannot pray? No. That is not what he's saying. Because he's fixing to get into the praying with oil and the laying on of hands. They allude to it uh, in the backdrop of this text. That what he's saying is that there are men that God has appointed through the order of that church that are men to lay hands on the sick. Now I can flip it and again use you an example. Brother Bushnell would be one that has the spiritual authority to do so. Not only because he was he's a man of God and he is recognized by this local assembly as such, but he is the presbyter of the section. So he he kind of he kind of trumps above all because <laughs> he's a presbyter plus he's got spiritual authority because of his tenure here in this church that if he prays and lays hands on anybody he's got full right where nobody else in this church would have that he's got full right and authority to do that does that make sense? So the backdrop for this is they're trying to establish number one who are the elders. And then also, too, with that, there's the doctrine of the laying on of hands within that praying for the sick. That you just don't lay hands on anybody suddenly. And there's been a, a movement now, or a, a mindset, let me say it better than a movement, that's come along that, that now, because I can do, or I'm filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name, and we thank the Lord for that. There's an order to the church, and that someone cannot just do what they want and go put their hand. Brother Joe or Brother Wade, I'll use Brother Wade again as an example, because Joe, you're safe too, but Brother Wade's safe too. Brother Wade cannot come over here and put his hand on Brother Terry Bushnell's head. I, even, now this is a little different one here. I'm his, I, he calls me pastor, which is so kind and respectful. But even I do not lay my hand on the elder's head because he's a presbyter. Does this make sense? Even though you've given me that honor and you, I mean, so just, you just, I could go on and on. I had a conversation with somebody today telling me about, asking me about it. And I said, it's going great. And he said, every time I talk to Brother Bushnell, Brother Bushnell is just so, just, just commendable. He was commenting about you, how wonderful you are. So you give me that and, and, and honor, but the principle behind it is, uh, it's order, and I will not, because he's my presbyter, I will not put my hand on his head. And if you notice, every time I've ever prayed for Brother Bushnell, I put my hand right here. And the reason I do that is, is number one, I want to make sure I'm not ever violating an out of order issue. You say, well, Benoit, what does it matter? Well, I'm going to give you just, I tell you, I'm going to come back and teach on this on a later date. Let me just give you a real quick one, real easy. When the high priest in Leviticus took that, that lamb... And right before, before he slit his throat, he was bearing witness to the people. When I lay my hand on this lamb, 
I'm conferring, I'm imparting the sins and the burden of the people into this lamb or scapegoat, really, too. And they're going to go. One's going to be released in the wilderness. The other one's throat's going to be cut. And when I lay my hand on the head of the lamb, the sheep, I'm conferring and transferring, if you'll allow me to use that terminology, to this, this offering that's going to become the sin offering for everybody. I'm a sinner. I need a substitute. I need a replacement. So when he laid his hand, are y'all hearing it? When he laid his hand, it was a conferring of, did it really happen? No. But you get the principle, the laying on of hands. So when I lay my hand on somebody's head, I'm basically saying I'm conferring whatever I got to you. That's why I don't want just anybody touching my head. Because if you're in adultery and you put your hand on my head, you're conferring your spirit of perversion on me. I'll come back and teach on this at a later day. If you're bitter and resentful, I don't want you putting your hand on my head. Not just because of the conference, but here's what you're saying in the spirit world. When you put your hand on that person's head, you're saying, I have dominion and authority over them. I'm above them. That's why I don't put my hand on his head. Because as my, I'm not above him. He's my presbyter. And I honor him by not doing so. But we've got in this, this mindset now in the church, well, I can just lay my hand on anybody. Not so. It's the doctrine of laying on of hands. You've got to have the spiritual, and then go further into the closing of the doctrine of laying on of hands. That, uh, you gotta be pure. If there's not purity in that heart, then when you pray for them, now we got transferring of spirits one to another. When really what God called us to do was this. Let the pulpit take care of what needs to take care of. And let the elders within the church, those divinely appointed by God, to be the ones to pray the prayer of. And it doesn't mean, again, please don't leave here and say, now Brother Benwell don't want us praying for nobody. Tonight, did we not pray for Brother Joe? So we want everybody to pray, God touch Brother Joe. But the elder in the church is the one that's going to put his hands on the head and say, God, by the authority of the name of Jesus, conferring spiritual authority to him. That's why you and I, the greatest thing we could ever do, if there's a five-fold ministry that ever comes or does come to you and I or an elder that operates in spiritual authority, the best thing you and I could ever do is let them lay their hand on our head, quit worrying about our hair. I'm going to wake some of y'all up one way or the other for those that have it. I want them to lay their hand on my head. Because I know that they operate in spiritual authority. Now, I don't believe that just because they lay their hand on me, if I'm not living right, that's, I'm not going to get something because I'm not, I'm not living right. But if I'm living right and I'm doing things purely and honest before God, I want that fivefold ministry, that authority to rest on me because I want all the heavenly to know, number one, I'm undercover and I'm submitted. And number two, I believe in the order of the church that it's not just kind of a wally wally west that I can just do whatever I want. This is how we see miracles. This is how we see wonders. This is how we see blinded eyes open. When you and I understand, I need spiritual authority to operate within the church it's making sense that's just real simple on the doctrine of laying on of hands let him call for those of the church with spiritual authority to pray that those that have spiritual authority pray over him call for the elders there are people that are going to get in situations they cannot come to us. But they're going to call for us to go to them. There's people that are going to need... 
Again, I said it already, I'll say it again. That doesn't mean you can't if somebody calls and say, hey, I need you to go pray for somebody that's sick at the hospital. Well, you're not a preacher. You can't do it. Not so. You can still go pray for him, Brother Daryl. Am I making it clear? But there's a certain level of spiritual authority that God puts on certain people within the church. That's why I've always believed so strongly, Brother, Brother Bushnell, it's not a one-man show, not just because of five-fold ministry, but God's looking for people within the church that's willing to pay the price, that's willing to sacrifice and build an altar, and God could use anybody. That's why I believe God could use ladies. I believe that God could use some of our ladies in this church, that ladies that are under submission, subjection to their, their husbands, and order in the home, doing right, whether they, and, and some I know you, you don't have a, that's okay. As long as you and I are in alignment with God, God will use anybody in this building, whether it be father, mother, husband, anybody. We need to have true spiritual authority operating in our church more than anything in this world. It's like I said Monday mo- or Sunday morning. We've heard sermon after sermon. We've heard great music. We've been to great conferences. What we need is God to show up in a service. That He shows up. Here's the thing, Brother Wade. The carnal mind is subject to no law. The carnal mind is at enmity with God. The human will is the thing that's kind of the valve between the spirit of man and the word of God trying to get to the spirit of man. What's the only thing? The word's coming, but every time it hits that hard soul, it hits that hard will saying no. What's the only thing that can change that? I can't change that. But but the move of God's spirit represented as oil in the word of God. That if that oil can begin to touch that hard part of the heart. A move of God. A manifestation of God. A revelation of God. And that oil begin to touch the hardness of that heart. I don't care if they're part of hell's angels. I don't care if they're part of the banditos. God can move on that heart if we can get a manifestation of God's presence in the building. And I said, Sunday, what we need is God just to show up and flex. That people would just stand back and go, just in amazement at what God just showed us in that building. I believe for the end time that that's what God's going to do for many churches. Churches that have prepared themselves. Churches that have been sacrificial. Churches that have been faithful and have done everything they know to do right according to the word of God. There's going to be a visitation of divine proportions to these assemblies and to these families. Brother Sean, this is how we're going to see family members saved. God's going to show up to them at school. God's going to show up to them on the job and where you can't go and I can't preach to them the manifestation of God's presence is going to come and it's going to arrest that human spirit it says gird the loins of your mind bring every thought under the obedience and what captivity of the spirit of God bring it under the captivity bring it under the captivity bring it captive There must have been something that captivated you and me. And the question we've got to ask ourselves, Brother Mike, is what's captivated our attention? That's causing God to not show up. We're having good church. I'm not denying that. We're having revival. I'm not denying that. We're having harvest. We're not denying that. But what's what's it going to take that my cap, what's got my mind so captivated... It's denying me the manifestation of God's spiritual authority, Brother Wade, in the assembly. And what God has destined all along, I put elders in the church. I put them in the church. I divinely appointed them. Why? Because I need their faith. See, we immediately, it's praying for the sick. It's about a miracle. It's not about miracle. It's about people coming to the house of God that are weak. And God's looking for spiritual authority to be imparted to certain people on the pew of the assembly. 
that he can trust you. Not that you would have spiritual authority and you, you go start another church down the road and take half the people. That's why we've been so afraid of fivefold ministry. That's why we're so afraid of the miraculous and giftings. People that oppose that are people that are controlling. They control it. Don't tell me what to do. I control this. This is what I want. And we shun these things of spiritual authority. And God's wanting to visit his church again. And he's looking for elders. Ladies. You may be 70, 80 years old, Sister Cat. It don't matter the age. God will give you spiritual authority at 80-something years old and say, you're going to pray a prayer that's going to cause somebody for heart to turn. But here's the issue. What's got us so captivated today? What problem has got you so consumed, Sister Peggy, that God cannot give you spiritual authority because you're so caught up in everything else and you won't use it? I've said this is stuff I've, I've talked to myself about in prayer, saying, God, what in me is causing you not to operate in spiritual authority in a magnitude? Not that I would become a celebrity. Not that I could print up cards and start traveling all over. I'm not in it for all of that. I want to see people's lives transformed by the power of your spirit. Not by fancy preaching. Not by fancy singing. Not by a fancy building. But by an encounter with a God of creation that spoke worlds into existence that they can see how much you care but I'm captivated by things and God all along is saying I'm ready to put something in you I know this is going to sound kind of crazy you might not, you might not believe it but I'm right anyhow not everybody has the same spiritual authority you can have it and she can't you can have it and she can't you can't have it and she can and vice versa. But if you ever get a... I'm not telling you to seek spiritual authority. I'm not teaching for you to seek giftings. And that's not what I'm trying to teach you tonight. I'm trying to show you what's, what's, what's all surrounding us right now in a moment. And God's looking down on a service like today. And He'll be looking down on Sunday. And He'll be looking at your prayer tomorrow. And He's saying, now that's one I can trust. That's one I can put something in that is going to defy all religion. It's going to define proto... It's going to defy protocol... This is what will change your family, Brother Sean. Yes, I thank God for faithfulness and testimony and, and that you never give up. And yes, but we ain't got 30 years for you to do that. We're waiting on this and I'm going to do this. We might not have that now. So we've got to start looking into the wells of the word of God and say, God, what are you trying to do in this end time hour? That worked 30 years ago. And your testimony of a purity and no smoking and drinking and everybody seeing it, that's great and all. But now we're under an urgent hour and they're calling for elders of the church. They're calling for people with spiritual authority, not Pentecostal pedigrees. They're calling for people with a spiritual authority as a representation of that individual walks with God. They're not looking for a pedigree of how long you've been in the church. They're lost and going to hell and they need help. And they're calling. And if I keep staying right here, I'm defining elder tonight. God's looking for people that maybe you haven't walked in that authority yet. God's wanting to take you there. God's wanting to move you there, Brother Daryl. I've watched you worship. I've watched you praise. And I've watched and watched and watched. And I see all this kind of out here that's going on. But you hear me, Brother Daryl. You keep worshiping. Don't you worry about what everybody else says. Don't worry about what people think. I wish we had about 150 more, Brother Daryl Fusiliers, that just don't care about their hair. They don't care about people. They don't care about their pride. And they just leap for joy and worship and shout and praise God. That's what this world wants to see. When they come to the house of God, do they see joy on me? in your face God's trying to move us to a place of impartation and your past may be your past 
But you got a clean slate when you repent and ask God to forgive you. People in this church may remember your past. The neighborhood may remember. The community may remember. Southwest Louisiana may remember. The state may remember. But you hear me. When you come before God with a heart that says, forgive me of my sins, God will give you a clean slate. I'm telling you, God's going to start using some Pauls that are murderers. God's going to start using people that are unconventional, unorthodox. They don't fit the Pentecostal because they don't know. But I tell you what they got. They got a heart of David. And God's going to raise them up because they know know how to fight they know how to really use what God's given them in emotion pick up a sling pick up a sword and cut the head off of the bear and the lion because you got a Goliath coming and you better learn how to fight I'll never understand a docile man when it comes to the things of the spirit brother Sean I'll never get it I never fought in my life with my fist. I ran from trouble. We had to almost hire a hitman to knock somebody out for me because I wouldn't fight him. True story. That's under the blood. Because I wouldn't fight, David. I wouldn't fight. I ran from it. I ran from it. But when it came... To God filling me with the Holy Ghost. 29 years, 30 years later, 30 years later. I feel like right now, I wish a nine foot giant would come in. I ain't got no sling. I ain't got really a sword per se on my hip. But I got enough faith to know that the God that lives in me is greater than he that is out there. And I'll fight for every son. I'll fight for every daughter. I'm asking some mamas and daddies to realize if you and I could take a hold of this spiritual authority, your fight ain't going to be as hard as you think. The battle's not going to be as bad as you think. But don't let the enemy captivate you by what's not so. Uh, I feel something moving in here right now. I feel something moving in this place. God's trying to show some people he got more stock invested in you than you want to admit and what the enemy's made you to believe. And he's trying to make you to throw in your investment, throw in your inheritance and say, you know what? It ain't worth it no more. I'm talking to some elders here tonight. You're 60 and above, 70 above, 80 and above or whether you're 30 and below. God ain't no respecter of the person. He's a respecter of the heart. And tonight he's wanting to make another deposit in the heart of God's people because we're facing a Goliath. We're facing situations we don't have the answer to when our marriages begin to crumble and our homes begin to fall apart there's only one answer I gotta roll up my sleeves and declare the Lord is for me and fight it can't be just me by myself God's got some of you marked they're gonna be calling and if we do it in order, and we do it how we've been taught, and we do it according to the plan and the will of God and the word of God, I say again, we don't have building big enough. We look across here tonight, and what a mockery to the preacher. Now, I know people are sick. Some couldn't come work. I understand all that. I'm not talking about them. But you look across here, and I could, Brother Charlie, I could, 12 gauge it with bird shot not hit nobody and I look at all this and go oh my God you're preaching a message of you ain't got building big enough and pew big enough and property enough and money enough and, and I look at it and go have you lost your ever loving mind preacher but you know what sister cat I done seen some stuff on the other side I done seen it sister cat and I know 
that God's raising up people in this church to be more than just a saint sitting on a pew. But there's some old prayer warriors he's waking up and he's pulling some old bottles of prayer and you're starting to smell some old aromas that's moving through your house. And you're like, what in the world are you talking about, Benoit? I'm talking about praise your pr- prayers you prayed 30 years ago and you think God forgot about it? God sent this little preacher here tonight again to declare to you, you and I better stand up for the charge and the challenge because there's a call going out to this church. You and I have got bigger things to do. There's a greater kingdom that God is trying to establish and it's his kingdom and you and I, everything under the sound of my breath is involved in what God has. They're calling. Don't let the world captivate you. Don't let your problem captivate you. Don't let your bent husband and wife captivate you. They may be against God, but God is still can work if you and I can get him to manifest himself through spiritual authority. He said, call the elders of the church. Let them pray over him. Anoint him with oil. The reason we anoint with oil, it's an Old Testament principle. It's an ordinance. We take that oil, we anoint the head. For the Old Testament, it wasn't just the head that they would anoint. They poured it over Aaron, his head, Brother Mike. And it ran, the Bible says in Psalms 133, as the oil runs down his face, down to his feet, skirt, his robe. That's a picture inside of itself of an all-consuming anointing that God wants to put on his people. It's just the issue, Sister Whitney, is he can't find nobody that's willing to drown in the anointing. We'd rather occupy in our anointing what we got control of, Brother Wade. I'll never let them beat me again. I'll never let them do that to me again. I'll never. And we rob ourselves because we're captivated by the past when God's saying, I got an anointing that'll flow over you that'll saturate you to the ground. See, I'm preaching to you tonight things that I've seen in Scripture. You wonder why my veins pop out and why I can't calm down because I've done seen it, Sister Cat. I've seen that that's for me. I've seen that if I don't occupy in that place of relationship with Him, that He can trust me to pour that out upon us and give us that kind of spiritual authority. Then I'm just a preacher preaching for a paycheck. But if I can ever get an understanding and then operate in an anointing, it's no more preaching for something of a higher but I'm preaching because I know the power of what God can do but can we allow him can you spend those moments in prayer sister Peggy you come up literally and you can smell that casea that myrrh calamus Olive oil. I smell the mixture of that divine anointing on me. You don't get that from going to a store and just saying, I I want it today. That ain't no Crisco. That ain't no Louisiana. It's divinely engineered with a divine impartation. That when that oil was touched on the sick, It wasn't just oil. It was the combination of the five ingredients of the oil. Coupled with the spiritual authority of an elder. You can pour oil on you all day long. It matters who prays for you. You got people that's got oil. And I will... But I tell you what, Brother Butch, you take one that's got spiritual authority, you give him the oil. I want that one praying for me. I want them praying for you. I'm telling this church in the Holy Ghost, God's wanting to raise up many, not just one, that he can trust with it and then put the oil of anointing on you and I in a special way to accomplish the task at hand. The anointing breaks the yoke. The anointing breaks the yoke. The anointing breaks the yoke. 
God's saying, I need men that'll pay the price, women that'll pay the price, that when the call comes, you got spiritual authority. Because you understand order in the church. You understand order in your home. You understand the importance of prayer. Which is where we're going to eventually close out with. Remember these lessons. If you can. Because when I get to verse 16. The fervent effectual prayer. This is what he's saying. This is why prayer ain't working. Because there's no spiritual authority. I'm just praying it out of memorization. I'm praying it out of just something I just do, Sister Georgia. But when I pray it out of relationship, everything begins to change. I'm not here begging God for it, Brother Wade. I'm not fasting my guts out because I'm going to make God say, Uncle, and give me what I want. I'm coming to Him because He's a good God. He's a good Daddy. And He knows how to take good care of His kids. So now I go to Him in prayer saying, Jesus, I love you today. Oh, you're the greatest thing. That's what happens in a church service like tonight. It's not a matter of what you sing, Sister Ashley. It's not a matter of, Sister Lisa, what y'all play, Brother Brian. It's a matter of, I came here. I don't care what you sing because I'm here to tell Him how good he is that's why I lift my hands that's what brings an authority on you and I to pray but that carnal mindset has captivated I'm reaching for three people and then I'm going to move on that carnal mindset's captivated their mind and they just won't let it go because they won't let it go there's no spiritual authority. And confusion and chaos is in their home. But God's offering a possibility for you and I to walk in something new. He said, call on them. Are they going to call you? Anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Luke 10 tells us the Lord and Jesus are connected. The Lord is Adonai and da-da-da-da, but it's Jesus. And what he's saying is you go pray for them in Jesus' name. There ain't no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. So if I know that salvation's in the name, then I'm going to pray in the name. And I don't want it flipping. I'm not just going to pray healing in the name and forget salvation in the name. But aren't you thankful that you and I as apostolics has got a revelation that when I go down in the name of Jesus in a watery grave, it's not just me getting wet, but I'm coming in covenant with Him. And that's a part of my salvation. And from there, I'm going to pray for sick in the name of Jesus. Next verse. Sister Lisa, Sister Ashley, y'all can get ready to come. And the prayer... Of faith. Prayer. This place is not an unusual word for prayer used in the New Testament. This word prayer represents. We ain't to, we ain't to verse 16 yet. The fervent effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. This word represents fervent wish or strong petition. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm going to make it real simple. When you first go praying for somebody, you ain't a whole lot fervent when you pray for the sick. Unless you just, just, some people are, but you like I was and still sometimes am. I don't go in there and go, whoa, yeah. Heal him now, Jesus. I don't do that. Instead, I go in there and go, Jesus, Lord, heal him now. Touch him now. Right? So here's what I propose to you. The Bible says that that fervent prayer of faith, what? Saves, not heals. Oh, I need to quit. Because I want to come back. I see the well. I, I just thought I saw the bottom and I just lost sight of it. Send the scuba tank. <laughs> Saves. Brother Mike, so if I have a hard time with a public, maybe I'm having a hard time with a private fervency. I've advocated this so strong. People don't praise and worship God not because of personality. They blame it on that. 
But people don't pray fervently praise and worship. Unless you're broken your body. We do it because there's a lack of fervency in our home prayer. And he's saying there's a fervent prayer. But now here's the best part about the whole thing. It saves the sick. God's more interested in us being a witness and salvation coming to people than he is about our list of healing that we need. I got to be the twistedest person, Brother Charlie. <laughs> Brother Charlie, you love me. Don't think I'm twisted. I know you love me. I went to the doctor today. <laughs> My wife like to fell out. He said, well, everything good? Cholesterol's a little high. He said, we need to probably look at that. He said, because we don't want, you know, that's a, a stroke or a heart attack. I said, doc, hear me. I don't want a stroke. Heart attack, I'm okay with. He looked at me, he goes, what? I said, I don't care about a heart attack. Just don't give me no stroke. So fix my stroke and leave the heart of stuff alone. That's fine. Because that's just going to put me quicker with Jesus. Now people say, Benoit, you are the most weird, crazy, stupid. But I just, here's the thing, brother David. I just, I can't wait to see you. I don't have a death wish wanting to die. I tell y'all know that. I love my family. I love my church family. But you hear me. This world don't mean nothing to me. Now, if I can get a couple ice cream cones and snow cones and little haagen along the way, a filet mignon along the way, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah, and ball crawfish. But outside of that, Brother Charlie, this ain't my home. And making heaven is all that really matters to me. And if I can make sure she gets there. Oh, I got my work cut out for me for this crew. If I can get them to make it with me. Then if I can get my church family to make it with me. Folks, what's got us so captivated? That heaven's blurry. Huh, Brother Butch? Your old daddy in verbal bean? Heaven looking a little bit better every day. And if I know a fervent prayer over the sick could bring salvation to them, hear me, then I got to go to privately. If I can't do it because of my personality, then I'm going to find me a prayer. I'll never forget, Brother, this is Uncle Russell to us, but Billy, not Billy, What's your uncle's name, baby? Russell Larman. Uncle Russell to us. He taught me this. Just I was preaching for the very first time out. I got to preach his youth service up in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And he said, this is what he told me. He said, son, let me teach you just something real simple. He said, what makes a good preacher is a man that knows how to pray. And here's what he said. If you can be fervent in prayer and passionate in prayer, he said, you ain't going to have no trouble. I said, Uncle Russell, I'm so shy. I said, I'm scared to death talking to your kids. I mean, I was so nervous, Brother Charlie. But he said, if you'll just learn it, I'm going to put it down in my words. If you'll learn in private how to pray fervently. When you get out, it's just going to come naturally. And it ain't something you got to choreograph. You ain't got to make it. I didn't mimic somebody from the, some charismatic world. But something happened to me in prayer that now it's changing. God's got that same experience for somebody under the sound of my voice tonight. And the whole reason for it is this. His kingdom is moving forward. And we got a great assignment ahead of us. And God wants to give you and I the spiritual authority. That when you pray for the sick, you're not only going to see a healing. But you're going to see them filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and baptize in Jesus name stand with me remind me I'll come back to that one next time a little more but is there anybody here tonight that you said brother Benoit I just want something more I just want something more listen I want more I ain't got nearly enough Brother Dale, I'm so glad you're back in the house of God. Is there anybody want more tonight? Throw your hands up. Come on, let's all come to the front tonight as a family. Let's close tonight as a family. 
God's preparing us. God's preparing families. God's preparing homes. God's getting us ready. Well, I know it's a little advanced. We got a new year coming up on us. We got plans between now and the new year. But you hear me. God is asking for that commitment tonight from somebody. That if you want it, God's ready to pour it out on you. Maybe it's just, maybe I need to pray a little bit more different. Maybe I need to pray a little more. Maybe I need to fast where I've never fasted. Maybe I need to read the Word of God more than just some mechanical thing, but I need to read it and study it because it's something that's going to help me and my family. If that's you right now, throw your hands as high as you can. Lift your voice right now and begin to ask God, God, I don't know where I'm at in all this. Come on, be honest with Him. God, I don't know about all that stuff, Brother Ben. I don't understand spiritual authority. I don't understand fivefold ministry. It's okay. Can you believe it without understanding it? Come on, there's something moving in this place. I felt it in the middle of this message. There's a prophetic utterance in this place. God, don't let that happen just for us to feel something prophetic. But that's an ability to see where we're going, to equip the saints, to mature us and build us, to make us ready. Come on, lift your voice right now as they lead us in that song. Let that become our prayer right now. Oh, that's beautiful. Sing it, Sister Ashley. Come on, he's going to pour it tonight. More of him. More of relationship with him. I'm not looking for power. I'm not looking for the authority. The authority is going to come when I get a greater revelation of revelation, a relationship with him. Of how much God loves me and cares for me. And how much he's expecting me to move into what he has. He needs everybody. I don't care what you've done. Put it under the blood. Let God heal you. Come on, sing it right now. Come on, just sing it as a prayer. I'm so hungry for you, God. I'm so hungry for you, Lord. I don't want normal church. I don't want just normal standard church. I don't want standard prayer. I don't want standard evangelism. And God, I'll do whatever you want. I'll pay whatever price. For you and your call. My family's counting on it tonight. My son and daughter's counting on it tonight. My son-in-law, my daughter-in-law's counting on my response tonight. Come on, all it takes is an acknowledgement of faith. 